Hello, and welcome to Academy Conversations Uncut, a podcast of rare Q&As with the world's foremost filmmakers, hosted by the Academy and released for the first time to the public, unedited. Today's panel was recorded in December 2019 at the Samuel Goldwyn Theater in Beverly Hills, California. Discussing the movie, Just Mercy, a legal drama of the true story of Walter McMillan appealing his murder conviction, we were joined by actor and producer Michael B. Jordan, actor Jamie Foxx, co-writer Andrew Lanham, and editor Nat Sanders. The panel was hosted by Brixen Diamond. Here's Brixen. Good evening, I'm Brixen Diamond, co-chair of the board, uh, co-founder and chair of the board of Black House Foundation, and I'm your moderator tonight. Uh, we're gonna jump right in. Um, please join me in welcoming from the film. Uh, first, Nat Sanders, the editor. Uh, next up is Andrew Lanham, co-writer of this film. Uh, actor, Jamie Foxx. And last but not least, uh, actor and producer, Michael B. Jordan. Uh, gentlemen, welcome. Uh, we're going to jump right in. Just mercy. Thank you. Uh, so I'm going to start with you, Michael. Uh, tell us about the genesis of this project, best-selling book, Brian Stevenson, incredible story. How did this film come to be? Uh, I think about four or five years ago, uh, my agency uh, passed me this uh, uh, this book, this memoir for Brian Stevenson, and I started to read it, and and um, I was a little shocked that I didn't know, a little embarrassed rather, that mm. I didn't know who who he was. Uh, so I ran towards that. I, I watched his TED talk. I got a chance to meet him, and uh, we, uh, yeah, I, I wanted him to be a household name. It was one of those things that his work was so important. This man was so, was, was a really, really great, important, important person. So uh, I wanted to make the film to, uh, to really put his, his story in front of as, as many eyes as, as possible. So I started to develop the script, got a chance to get to know him. Uh, Brian was very involved in the, in the process of crafting this story. His memoir is very dense, you know, it's a lot of, lot of cases that he had in there. So we started to pick out what would make the best uh, cinematic version um, of, of, of his life. And uh, yeah, years later, um, scheduling's lined up. You know, got a chance to, uh, to 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 get Jamie on board. A phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal actor who uh, got a chance to really embody Walter McMillan. And then yeah, we went on and uh, shot it down in Atlanta. So it that's was, great. It was a, it was a great process. And I'm gonna, gonna turn to to Andrew to talk about the script. So no pressure. Uh, 2014 memoir, uh, 150 weeks in the New York Times bestseller list and counting. Uh, and then you're brought in by Daniel Quentin to, to, to help on the adaptation. How'd you approach the project? Um, That's okay. Yeah, it's really kind of a, uh, a unique and interesting adaptation process uh, for me as a screenwriter. I'd worked with Destin Cretton before on The Glass Castle. I actually met him through the Academy when we both won the Nickel Fellowship um, at the same time. So uh, the producer, Gil Netter, had I uh, was the first person to give Destin the book, and he read it and just told me about the kind of transformative like power of the material. And I read it and agreed. And one of, one of the things I was really struck by was, um, I don't know if you've seen Destin's other movies, but there's a real kind of warmth and humanity um, while looking at um, kind of institutionalized systems in our country through the lens of uh, family and hope and um, I really felt like Destin's vision for film in general matched Brian Stevenson's voice and vision uh, for the world and for the changes we need to see in our justice system. Mm -hmm. 
So I thought having the relationship with Destin that I could help, uh, help hopefully in translating, um, translating that to the screen. We also, I don't think Destin ever would have taken the project if we didn't know that Brian was going to be really heavily involved with the adaptation process, right. Um, right from the beginning. So we always kind of knew that, uh, he would be our, our sort of guiding light, um, uh, throughout the entire process. So coming back to the to the actors in a second, but Nat, I want to get you in here and talk a bit about the editing process. So so tell us, you know, how your approach worked in general and what was special about this project in terms of are you in the room with the directors or are you get out and I'm going to do yeah. this or, or how does this work in your world? Yeah, well, this is my third collaboration with Destin. Uh, I sought him out because I saw his short film, Short Term 12, and it blew me away. And I saw that he had edited it himself. So I thought maybe there was an opening there and I saw him, sought him out and kind of shoved my foot in the door. And he had never worked with an editor before. So at first on that film, it was really hard for him not to be at the keyboard. I think he wanted to wrest the keyboard away from me and do it himself. And over the time, our relationship and collaboration has just grown. It's just become better and better and better to where in this film, he just, you know, gave me so much empowerment to, you know, working with our composer, it was really 50, 50 between me and him. And mm. if, you know, a little bit of reshoots, I was in there writing them with him and it's just become a really great collaboration together. And, uh, and he loves the editing process, so he's so after production, you know, I'll be off on my own cutting it. I'll show it to him about a week week afterwards, and then from there, he's sitting next to me every day, and we go through it. That's great. And so coming to Jamie Fox, so Johnny D, a, a, an important story, this arc uh, to really give us Brian Stevenson's impact and work. You know, how did you prepare for this role, and what did you learn in that preparation? Oh, well, preparing for the role. What's interesting about uh, Johnny? First of all, I I have to thank Michael B. Jordan for what he did behind and in front of the camera. When I got that call um, that he was doing this movie, I thought it was fantastic. And the fact that if you look at Michael B. Jordan's career, and I've known him since he was, you know, smaller, tiny. <laughs> he didn't have all this. <laughs> I don't know where this came from, but uh, I remember when he used to have a little tank top and braids, you know? <laughs> Just sort of a Hawaiian Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> How's it, brother? Uh, but what I've admired is his career and the trajectory of his career. If you look at what he did in Fruitville Station, he captured all of our hearts uh, in that. But that narrative for our culture was amazing. And then to move on from that and go to <clears throat> Black Panther, where he plays Killmonger, to me, top three villain. But was he a villain? Because the narrative that he had for our culture was amazing. And uh, um, now to, to, to Just Mercy, I, I, you know, he could be doing uh, any movie that he wants biggest uh, star in the world, but to do something like this is is so necessary, so I wanted to say that. Um, and also, uh, Walter McMillan, we aesthetically looked like each other. Our cheekbones, we had the diamond-shaped head. If you look at the end of it, that, 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 that 80s haircut, I had that in the 80s. <clears throat> So that part was um, is welcoming when you're trying to do a person who's lived. And then we sat together, myself, Michael, Destin, and we sort of crafted what he would talk like, what he would sound like. I would try different uh, accents. I'm from Texas, uh, and and if you're deep in Texas, some people say Texas. So we 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 prodded with different like. Um, uh, ways to say words and vernacular and things like that, and and I would I would pay attention to Michael because he was steering the ship along with Decimus, saying, "Let's make sure we can understand everything. We'll make sure everything that uh, that is being said that people can can really understand the weight of the character." And then when it comes to to Walter McMillan, the person, mm -hmm. um, it's all about perception, 
I mean, you know, it's trying to change the perception of what a black man is, uh, that the perception is, is that he's automatically guilty. My father um, went to jail for $25 worth of illegal substance for seven years. Uh, a man who had taught in the hood for 25 years, he taught uh, black studies. The very judge that he would bring to the school to talk to the kids presided his case when they put him in jail for seven years. He was in jail with um, people that he had taught in school, but they didn't know that their father taught me how to play tennis. They didn't know that he taught me how to throw a football. They didn't know he taught me how to how to swim. So. I could really draw up on that because I had a thing about going to jails. Mm. I don't I don't like doing that. I don't like going to see um people in jail. Um I don't like that perception. So that's what this was about. And then when luckily my father <clears throat> while he was in, I said, Hey, I wrote him one letter. I said, Hey, I got on. When you get out, things are better. And I got a chance to take him to the US Open uh and watch Venus play. Mm -hmm. Um so it was that relationship that I used to sort of uh, put in place of what Walter and, and his family was, was going through. Mm, thank you, thank you. And, and so, so, so Michael, coming back to you in terms of the, the, the role, um, so, you know, I'm going to write a book about my life and I'm going to, you know, my work and let's see, I'm going to get mm, Michael B. Jordan to play me. That might work out. So, so thinking about it, how did you become attached uh, to Brian, what was that relationship like in terms of knowing you're playing him, but also bringing the movie along and this book to life? What was that relationship like? I think one of the things that, you know, me and Destin really kind of decided on was the tone of the movie and, mm -hmm. uh, and what type of portrayal we were going to do. Um, we didn't want to do the movie version of anything. We wanted to do an mm -hmm. accur accurate de depiction of this man's life and, and the work that, that, he, that he does. Um, so I got a chance to get to know him, uh, spend time with him. Uh, he was an extremely busy man. Like he, we would have meetings and you know and hang out a little bit. I would go down to his offices um, down in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, and he would you know leave me and go straight into the Supreme Court, mm. you know, um, and and and, uh, and and defend these uh, um, these inmates and, and fight these cases that are literally life and death. And then he'll pick up a phone and call me and ask me how a scene went, mm. you know. So he he was multitasking on a, on a, on the highest level possible. So to be able just to um, just to be in his space. You know, um, be a fly on the wall and learn and watch him move. Uh, I think the geography of a courtroom was something that uh, I was very unfamiliar with. I didn't spend many time in courtrooms. That, you know, I kind of, you know, connect that institution with neg negativity. You know, you don't want to catch yourself in there. Right. So uh, to, to, to switch that outlook into a position of power, somebody who's defending lives, somebody who's uh, fighting for justice in these rooms was something very interesting to me. So the way he questioned uh, a witness or the way he, uh, you know, just his, his body language, how he, he had to be very persuasive, you know? There was a lot of times throughout this film where my personal natural reaction or my, my uh, you know, natural acting choice would be to would be to be emotional or, or, or outraged and, 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 and show that, you know, emotion through my performance. But Brian is very reserved, very methodical, very, very, uh, he's intentional with everything that he says. Uh, he knows that he has to put his ego and his pride to the side for the betterment of his client. And that's something that, um, that we had to, that was a choice that we had mm -hmm. to make. Um, but yeah, so that, that all that kind of combined um, with him always being you know, available via text or phone for me to kind of ask any questions whenever I felt lost throughout the film. 
And there, there's so many moments of uh, not micro, but macro aggression in this film. And, and particularly as black men facing this, both behind bars and, and sort of trapped in the, not tra trapped in this album, he's chosen to be there. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about sort of why this movie now and what, you, what you're hoping it, it, it speaks to to people? Yeah, I think it's extremely important. You know, this case happened over 30 years ago, but it seems like it could have happened yesterday. Mm. Um, you know, the system has, has been broken and continue to see that, like, you know, with all the news headlines and um, every other incident that happens with the police and, you know, wrongful convictions that you see, uh, that you see throughout the, the media. I think... Um, um, I think Brian's optimism is extremely important. I think his hopeful nature on how to change the perception of uh, what, what it looks like to be black and brown um, and the skin, the anxiety that, you know, we feel just walking outside of our homes, you know, that that uh, the feeling of when we see a cop drive by, um, you know, the talk that my parents had to give me at a very unage of how to deal with law enforcement, how to deal, how to carry yourself is something that still happens today. And I think Brian's approach to things uh through his work is bringing the humanity, you know, being in close proximity. Um, some of these places, these towns, uh, they only deal with uh, certain people through media, through what they see on their televisions, through, through you know, the movies they watch, through the, the you know, the, 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 the media outlets, through the news. Um, so if we use those same outlets to change the perception mm -hmm. that we might be able to, um, you know, find the humanity in one another um, as a people. Um, and, and that's why I want people to feel after watching this movie that that energy of um, they could be a part of the solution. You know, I think these issues sometimes seem so big that it's paralyzing that that, you know, what can I do as an individual to, to affect this this bigger this bigger problem? So they don't do anything. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the right perce perception to have. I think. Um, you know, educating yourself, learning about, you know, who your local prosecutor is, you know, what bills, what policies are being put in place. Um, just those little things, voting, mm -hmm. you know, is extremely, this is election year. This is very, very important uh, to, to, to be able to have your voice make a real difference and make an impact. So those are the type of conversations, the type of thinking that we want to provoke after, uh, after watching this film in a non-manipulative way. You know, this is, this is not a movie that we want to play on emotions. We want to propose a question and impose a conversation. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully, you know, the work that Andrew and Destin did with writing and crafting the script and uh, the job that Jamie and the one, all the other phenomenal actors in this movie did and the amazing editing job that, that we were able to kind of put that on, on screen. I want to turn back for a minute to the production, and, and, and Jamie, I'll come to you just, you know, from Texas, but down in the South, and she was shot in Atlanta, is that right? Um, how many days were you all shooting? 35. 35, 35 days. It was a quick shoot. Quick shoot. And, and so the prison scenes, are those in a prison or are those on set? How, how are you all shooting the, the actual prison scenes? How do we actually? Yeah, are you all in a prison or are you on, on a soundstage or? Yeah, we were in a prison. You were in a prison. Um, which is, you know, it's just daunting. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't like any of that. Right. I don't, I don't dig none of that shit. I, you know, it's crazy. It's like when we went in there and I, I wanted to sort of be, go in there for the first time and sort of hit the ground running. That's what we did. We hit the ground running. But I, there were certain little things that, you know, I mean, even when the guy was putting the cuffs on me, there was, the, of course, the person who's playing the correctional officer, but there was an actual correctional officer there or officer who's telling him how to put the cuffs on. So he said, yeah, put the cuffs on tighter. He's a bigger one. Mm. And I said, hey, man, cuffs is tight enough. Right. And, but, you know, I was like, but I use that mm -hmm. when you go in those prisons, which is weird because it's like, you know, like I said, this is all perception. And those, the perception of seeing a black man going to jail is just, you know, I, I, didn't, 
I never wanted to get used to it. So I took that not getting used to it into the scene. Like no matter what, I still know this is not a place where I'm supposed to be or Walter's supposed to be or anybody uh, is supposed to be. So, um, you know, working in the, the actual jail cell brings a lot of a lot of emotions mm. you know so we would bring music in we play music you know we play no weapon formed against us shall prosper but then we would play some you know some Marvin Gaye and some some hip-hop just to sort of you know lighten it because it's a, you know it's a, it's a heavy it's a heavy thing when you're in there and also just to that point of the prison scenes that we were shooting at Destin and the you know set designer also crafted an actual death row death row mm -hmm. was 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 built we we shot that on at Tyler Perry Studios down um in, in Atlanta where all their performances on death row the interaction the, the scenes between Walter and Herbert and, and and Ray were all shot simultaneously you know so those were all single cams that were shot all at the same time so they could actually feed off of one another um, in that room. So to be able to see that and see those you know, wonderful actors um, played by, you know, Rob Morgan and O'Shea Jackson, their chemistry was was incredible. So that was something that I've actually never seen before. Was the was the the intercut scenes actually played out in real time? So that was I think really key for their report uh, performance to be able to hear one another mm -hmm. and all be in their environment and play that instead of being just off camera read, reading lines to one another. Right. So I think that really lent itself to the performance and the editing process also. Yeah, definitely. I mean. And also, you're talking about prison and uh, the music in the prison. Jamie has this amazing ability just from watching the footage where, you know, you'd have that speaker with you that you're playing. You're kind of cr crafting the experience for everyone. You were kind of keeping everybody in good spirits, playing music on set. And then 30 seconds before, you know, the take would go, you put the music away and then you could just yeah. snap into it. And I'd be like, oh, my yeah. God, he just went there. And yeah. it's, it's pretty incredible how, how you quickly can just jump into it. Well, it was, you know, like it's, it, we didn't. It's, it's sort of like the the emotion was sort of set on a imagine your temperature gauge at your mm -hmm. house it was set mm. and we put it on hold so that emotion i think within those cells remained constant and then i had some guys had that, that 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 came by who had been incarcerated who had been in those situations say hey, you know and i asked you know um definitely asked Destin, was it okay to have them just from the outside just look at what was going on and watch those guys behind that camera weep mm. you know watch those guys be you know be touched that's why it's so important that everyone sees this film because it's it the narrative in this film as we've taken it out, you've watched everybody sort of like be caught up by it. Like literally, I, I commend these guys on the on the stage once again because when they took the movie out to test it, it tested it a 97 in front of an all-black audience. Now we thought, we was like, okay, yeah, of course. We wanted that. You know, black people, come on, let's, let's do our thing. But then when they tested it in front of an all-white audience, it tested at a 98. So the way this... this in Kansas. Yeah, in Kansas. In Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> you know, that place. Uh, so I, I thought that was, I, I thought that was saying something. I th that's what makes a movie really special when everybody can look at it and really feel um, uh, moved by it. And I think what you did in the editing, when you saw even the white characters, like the correctional officers, what I liked about Michael and, and Destin, they didn't let this movie go off the black cliff where only if you were only black, you could enjoy it. There was the correctional officer. When you see his contrition, contrition in his face that he was, that this was wrong, it let someone in the audience who is white say, oh yeah, that's me. Or even the prosecutor who was like, you could see he's, he's, 
toiling with this decision. Oh, that's me. So I, I think they did a, 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 a fantastic job with that. I think that speaks to the power of the way that Brian Stevenson uh, gets his message out. Mm -hmm. He has a real way of, um, he uses himself as a conduit to explain the system. Mm -hmm. And he, he teaches and informs without making you feel uh, judged in any way for not not knowing not knowing the facts that are right in front of you. Um, and in doing that, I feel like he also um, suffuses his message with such a like strong sense of hope uh, that he has a really unique ability to open closed minds. Just to tag on what you guys are talking about performance wise, on this film more than any other one I've worked on, all the actors gave such an amazing range of say there were five takes for a scene from take one to take five, such a range of of gradations where one might be starting kind of subtle, say like Mike playing Brian, who's like pretty, you know, he's a restrained character. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these situations being a black lawyer in the South, you can't, you can't just blow up at the DA or the sheriff. You're not going to get what you want. So you kind of have to be strategic and you have to be restrained. But at the same time, you know, there's moments where you need to show passion and fire and, and Mike and everyone else did such an amazing job of giving us those options to where even a month before we were done, you know, we were working on the movie for nine months already. Normally performance is stuff you lock in pretty early and then you're kind of more, you know, working on the more macro shaping and, and losing time. And we're still with a month out where we had such great options where we're like, oh, I remember that one scene with that, where near the end where Brian goes over to the DA's house, to Tommy Chapman's house and confronts him. I think we want to see a little bit more passion out of that. And we had, we knew exactly like, oh, we had that one take that we really loved too. He had, he had an amazing version where he was doing it more subtle and restrained. We had an amazing version where he was showing more passion and he, we kind of had all the, they really gave us the option to, to modulate performance and uh, it went to everybody on the cast. That's mm, great. So we are, after all this time, Christmas day, is when, when it hits theaters and, and, and then the broader release January 10th. What, what are you each hoping uh, that folks take away from this? We talked about it a bit already, but, but, but what difference do you hope this film makes? I mean, I think that's what it is, man. Honestly, I want people to be hopeful and optimistic, you know, and, uh, and, and be inspired to be a part of the, the, the solution. I think this is a, you know, it, it's not just a, you know, a black community problem. It's not just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an everybody problem. You know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a human, it's the human condition. You know what I'm saying? It's the human heart. So I want people to feel involved and, and want to be out and, and um, you know, and start, you know, be a part of the change. Uh, just exactly what he said and I think the other side of it is this is that what Michael B. Jordan has done with this and I will continue to say this even this is so important just as him as, as the as the young artist who is budding into this incredible person who like when my kids watch him and they say they can be entertained by him and educated by him so it's important to uh, the for the support it, it, that as well, and uh, uh, the the message of hope and the and the getting the eyes on Brian Stevenson, I think would be so important when he talks about because uh, we were talking about capital punishment, mm -hmm. and Brian broke it down easily. He says, "What if there's a basket of apples here?" And he says, um, "Every tenth apple you eat, you die. Mm -hmm. Do you still sell those apples?" So he was, you know paralleling that to, you know, um, the death penalty. So I was like, wow. So to even those messages, uh, being, having, having an opportunity to get out, I think is so key. And, um, I, like I said, I think it's a, in a, one of the most important films that I've ever been a part of. That's great. Andrew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a, a really close relative who, um, I get along really well with, but we have very differing, uh, political beliefs. And he read the book and called me after and he said, I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. And 
after reading before reading the book, he was in favor of the death penalty, and afterwards he was against it. And it uh, it probably didn't change his mind on uh, a whole bunch of other issues we disagree on, but it it changed his mind somewhat. It got his mind thinking in a way that it hadn't been before. Um, I think if 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 the the message of this movie spreads and people get out and they see it and it turns them on to looking into Brian Stevenson more, um, I think. I think his message and hopefully the film as well really has the ability to, to change minds. Last up. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing. Uh, just to, it was such a privilege to be such a small cog in, in telling Brian's story and, and getting his message out there. And, you know, it's just so exciting that that's just about to happen. I think Brian wouldn't care for his own personal reasons. He's so humble, but, uh, you know, it's the kind of film where it seems like maybe it would be heavy to go and work every day for 10 months on something, you know, about the death penalty within such heavy, heavy subject matter. But we all were actually filled with such, we were really inspired and filled, filled with such a sense of duty and responsibility to tell Brian's story and to get the message out there the absolute best way possible. So it was just something that was inspiring to come in and to work every day on. And, and I'm so excited for, for Brian's message to get out there. Nat Sanders, Andrew Lanham, Jamie Foxx, Michael B. Jordan, Academy. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening to Academy Conversations Uncut. We hope you enjoyed this unique access to a members-only Q&A at the Academy. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and help us reach film lovers around the world. This podcast was produced by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences.